We're in a series called Real Christianity. This is part three. Uh, we're discovering what it really means to be the real deal, true, blood-bought, spirit-filled Christians uh, in these last days. And with the help of a, a book by Henry Skogel, we're kind of just uh, following along, uh, but uh, bringing it to light for us uh, here tonight. And tonight I want to title this, Changed by Love. And just uh, five things I want to give you before we get back into worship and prayer tonight. We're going to talk about being changed by love. There are two people that have, outside of my mom and my dad, who obviously your mom and dad raised you and they have the biggest influence on your life. But as a teenager, uh, the two biggest people who have had an impact on my life, obviously number one is God. And number two is my wife, who I started dating at 16 years old. And... uh, When you fall in love with someone, they obviously rub off on you, and you try to please them. So as a shy, quiet, stubborn, hard-headed, self-centered person that I was at 16, uh, I was not very fun, all right? I didn't dance, I didn't get up on stage, and wasn't goofy and all that. My wife is hilarious and goofy and outgoing, uh, and... It was a kind of a clash early on in a lot of areas. You know, she wanted to go to dances and, you know, sl- even slow dances. But, you know, I just, too Pentecostal and not in the, the old school Pentecost, you know, you just, no dance, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, and over the years, and she loved roller coasters. I hated roller coasters. I couldn't stand where your stomach drops out and all that stuff. And uh, she loved high, fast rides and all that kind of stuff. And so, what do you do as a young 16-year-old man? You have to man up, right, John? You got you to gotta get on the roller coaster, <laughs> you know? You, you got to get on the roller coaster. You can't let a woman get on the roller coaster and you sit in line, right? So, <laughs> and so what happens is when you love a person, that love changes you, right? And so one of the things that we've done in our time together is we went to Sandusky, Ohio, and rode all the fastest, all the tallest, all of the biggest roller coasters in the United States. And so somebody say, I love my wife, you know. And so it changes you. You, uh, even one of our, um, for an anniversary one time, I, I, I bought ballroom dancing lessons. And, oh, Lord, it killed me. But I did it, you know, because I love my wife, right? And, <laughs> and so, you know, as you spend time with that person, if you love a person, you're going to do things for that person. And in fact, over time, that love begins to change you. And I am a lot more fun today because of my wife, because I love her, right? Uh, you, you learn to, to be like that person, to uh, be with that person. And so the question we're asking ourselves is, what does real Christianity look like? And what does real Christianity do inside a person? And Skogel, Henry Skogel, said in the 1600s, he said, when, we are div- uh, when, when you know if it's real Christianity, he said, it's that when we are divinely influenced, you're divinely influenced by God, and that you'll sense the reality of invisible things. There are two things. He says you're going to be divinely influenced, that the Holy Spirit is going to influence you, and you're going to begin to sense the reality of things that you didn't know or like or want to do before. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
And John is basically saying, because God is love, and because you know him, you will then in turn love. Because love changes a person. And to know God is to know love. And to know love is to be changed by that love. You cannot just think you can love God and it's just this one directional thing. But in fact, by knowing God, his love actually should change us. Just like Beth, knowing Beth changed me in my life, knowing God should change me in my life because of his love, right? And so you and I are to be influenced by God's love. We're to see the world differently because we've experienced his love. So knowing his love actually will bring deliverance from sin. It's not because I willfully chose in my own natural ability to stop sinning. And, and we can do that for a time. And we've talked about this. By, by our own efforts, we can do things. We can turn off the TV. We can put filters on our internet. We can choose not to go to the bars and, and get hammered like we once did. We can choose to try to stop cussing. And all those will work for a season and for temporarily. But what motivates us the most is that we have been impacted by God's love. And real Christians are those who have been impacted and changed and sense a new reality because of God's love. Not because they want to, not because they have to, not because there's a list of rules. It's because they're in a love relationship with God, and that relationship has changed them. Amen? So knowing God brings deliverance of sin, and knowing Him, I feel more healthy as a person. I feel more holy as a person, it rubs off on me, and my life is actually not as much of a wreck as it once was. Sure, as early on, we're figuring things out. We got all this baggage we learned to get away, but as you spend more time in God, your life will look a lot better. I mean, you ever notice that? People who really walk with the Lord, their finances tend to be a little bit better. They're more ordered. They make more logical decisions, more wise decisions. People who walk with God, their lives are not as in chaos as they once were. Sure, do we have trials and tribulations and difficulties? Absolutely, even more so, because the devil hates you. But, but in fact, when you walk with God, your life seems to make sense. It has purpose. There's a peace there. Your, your things you get in order in your house, and, and your family starts acting better, and your marriage starts. It's just the blessing of knowing God, amen? And, and that's part of this thing. So our question tonight is, have we been changed by God's love? Have we been changed and are we being changed by God's love? Let me talk to you a little bit just for a second about the nature of God's love. And then I'm going to talk to you about five rewards of knowing God's love. So this first part is the nature of his love. And then I'm going to tell you about the rewards, five rewards of his love. So the nature of loving God is is this. You and I from the garden were originally created to love God. It's in your spiritual DNA. It's in who we are as a being. Uh, We're created to love God. So your new life in Christ now... This new life with Jesus depends on you walking in that love relationship. And so when Jesus says in Luke 10, 27, he says, you know, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, uh, and strength. And then you got to love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's a command to love. And, and while uh, I love my wife, right, no one has ever commanded me to love her. You know, put Scripture aside for a second. I, I didn't have to have someone like my mom or my dad say, okay, you're about to get married. I'm commanding you to love your wife. Nobody told me that, right? I mean, you don't have to. Why? Because it's something in my nature that I've made a choice. I've been impacted by this woman, and now I 
choose and myself to love her. It's not a command. It's not an outward external force. You understand what I'm saying? There's no outward external force commanding me to love my wife. It's who I am because of our relationship, right? It's what we've been impacted. It's a choice, and it comes from within. And so when Jesus says, I'm commanding you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, this Bible, the Bible says his commands are not burdensome, right? And so what's happening is the Holy Spirit inside of you is the one who's loving God through you. And in fact, it's God loving himself again. It's kind of interesting to think about. It. It's that like God gives me himself so I can love him better, right? And so there's this new nature inside of me, and it is helping me love God more. And it's not that I'm doing it, but it's that God, the Holy Spirit, is doing it in uh, me, through me. And so when he says, love God with everything you've got, that is the design of the Christian life. That's the design of what God is going to do through you. Yes, it's a command. Jesus is saying it's required. The new birth, it, it is a relationship. You can't live this Christian life out unless you're a person who's loving God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. They're 100% of you, every bit of you. It's, it's, that's the nature of a Christian life, and that's the nature of loving God. It's, it's all in, right? Somebody say all in. So it's not burdensome. And the more time you spend walking in this divine nature, you're going to behold more and more of his, of his love. You know, I love my wife more now than I did 11 years ago when we got married, right? I, it's just, it's, you love your kids more and more. You don't just love them at birth, but you love them more and more and more as they get older, right? It's just, you walk in this love and it grows, right? I was watching my, just the other day, playing with my daughters in, in their room, uh, just me and, and some daddy time, and just, they're playing, I'm just in there watching, you know? And you just fall more in love the more time you spend with your kids, the more time you spend with your relatives. You just fall more in love. And so you're beholding, the Bible talks about beholding him, and we imitate his love. So, for instance, uh, you know, they always have that joke about you see, you know, two, two people walking in a, a park and you see their dog and their dog even looks like them. You, have, you know, you, you see people on a park bench, they've been married forever, and they look just the same. Uh, the more you're around people, uh, the more you imitate them, right? The more your mannerisms are the same, you know, like y'all are all around each other, so y'all say y'all. Or we say fixin' or yont to or go get the buggy at Walmart. You go, uh, or Walmarts, Miss Evelyn, you know. Uh, in the north, you're around other people, they don't say those things, right? Uh, us northerners, we don't say buggies, and we don't say fixins and, and all of that. It's that we act like one another because that's what it's like. You're around a family, you pick up the mannerisms, you, you pick up the, the little twerks, and while my dad drives, uh, he, he typically drives with a hand like this, and he's got one hand here, and he kind of just does this through the back of his hair. You know, how many of you do that? You're, you're driving, your hand's kind of going through the hair, and every now and then I'll find myself, wait a minute, you know, like, or, you know, I, the other day I, I just passed myself in the mirror and I walked by and I was like, I don't think there was a picture of my dad. And I realized it was me, you know. Uh, you, you begin to take on things, right, of other people you like. And so if you find yourself failing in this Christian life, the true way to improve yourself is not to look at you or your imperfections or work harder with effort, but to behold and imitate his love. I don't try, I don't, it's not, 
I, you know, I struggled a long time with, with certain habitual sins and certain negative attitudes and being sarcastic and all that. Uh, and the more I tried to help myself out, I didn't get anywhere. But the more you get captivated by him, it seems like you get victory in your life. And the more I focus on my problem and I say, man, I failed, I need to try harder. I failed, I need to try harder. Man, Heath, you've got you to get this together. You've got to stop doing that. You've got to start doing this. The more I focus on myself, but the more I focused on him and getting this lost into God and pressing forward in God, it's like all the other stuff kind of faded away. And that's about being with God, imitating him. And Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us, everybody say it, what is the it? The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. So the nature of loving God and the nature of God's love is that when the grace of God is activated in my life, that love relationship teaches me to say no to worldly passions and ungodly desires. And the nature of God's love produces obedience in my life. It's not I try harder, it's that I love harder. I, I get more in love with him, and as I get closer to him, I get further away from other things. Does that make sense? The more I step this way, then I'm therefore stepping away from those things. It's not that I'm like, okay, guys, get, get this stuff away from my life, and I'm trying to push it away. You can't push sin away. It, you, you have no power over sin. That's God's job. So all I can do is say, all right, I can't fix you. I can't handle you. I can't have no control over you. i got to go this way and just run to Jesus. And by doing that, I've already turned. Does that make sense? And so Titus says it's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God, the love of God that is teaching you to say no. It's the love of God. And so I'm, I'm challenging us tonight as we are going to get into worship. And prayer is to behold him, to behold more and more of God's love, uh, more and more of who he is. And because he's going to change your affection and my affection for earthly things. And so have we been changed by God's love? Because a, when you love a person, love changes you. When you love a person, love changes you. So that's the nature of loving God. It changes you. You behold him. You get further away from sin, closer to God. And it's something that captivates you. Now let's talk about the rewards of loving God. You got a pen. There's five things right here I want to give you as we go. The five, there are five rewards of loving God. This is just not all inclusive, but these are some good ones. Number one, he's worth loving. He's worth loving. You know, there are, uh, when, when love is divided, let's say you had two people who are dating and a guy and a girl, right? And, and the guy goes and cheats on the girl, right? And she, he goes with another girl, right? Uh, <clears throat> what's going to happen to the first girl? Man, she's going to get mad. Right? She's going to diss him all over Facebook. She's going to pull somebody's hair out. I don't know. She's going to key some cars and slash some tires. I don't know. Maybe not. But, but that, when that love is divided, there's, there's a jealousy. Right? When love is not, that love was, she thought that love was for her. But when she found that love was split between another woman, there's jealousy there. Love is designed to be all in. It's designed, it's, it's, it's made to be completely focused. And the Bible says our God is a what God? A jealous God. That there is something inside of you, there is a God love. Every person is made to love God. 
That's who we were made to be. You're made to worship Him, love Him. And there is a love inside of you that is not made to be on the affection of material things, of other people, of money, of sex, of drugs, or praise of men. It is not made for that. And when that love that is inside of you is gone to somebody or something else, there's a jealousy between you and God. There's a tension, a separation. And in fact, the whole relationship begins to crumble because that love inside of you was made 100% for Him. Right? Somebody say amen. That's how it works. And, and the idea here is that God is so worth loving He's worth all of it. The Bible says in Exodus 34, that's that verse, you shall have no other gods before me, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. That means that love is all His. And if you love something more than God, Skogel says, your life will only be troubled by it. If you love anything in your life more than God, your life will be troubled. And that includes your wife, your husband, and your kids. That's in the Bible, your 100% love, your all-in love, was not made for your husband or your wife or your kids or your career or your job. It was made for God. It's what it's for. And if you love anybody or anything more than God, that thing will be a God in your life. And it will trouble you. And it will disturb your soul. Only when things are in order does your life work out. All right? But God, here's the cool thing. That 1 John 2.15 says, if we love the world or the thing in it, the love of the Father is not in us. That that love is made for God. Instead, if we set our mind on heavenly things, Colossians tells us, set our mind on things above, that, that's where Christ is. That's where we're going to live our lives, setting on Him. And 1 John 3.1 tells us that we can see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so, he even goes on, he says, we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. He is worth loving because He first loved you. There is no person more worth loving in the world than God. There's nobody who deserves more of your love than God. He's worth it. Number two, He will return love. Not everyone who loves you in this world will love you back. You know that? And there are Sometimes even those that we love, even our spouses or our moms or dads, we, we love them and they love us, but it doesn't always come back like we wanted it. Even your, your, your spouse, you can have a bad day and you know your spouse loves you or whatever, and, but they just didn't give you the attention in that moment that you felt like you needed. People will always let us down. People will always not give us what we think we need and deserve. You know why? Because they're not God. And they can't give you everything you need. They can't always pick you up and say the right words. They can't always give you the embrace that makes it worthwhile in your life. That your, your spouse will fall short for giving you love. But God is a God who perfectly gives love. When His love is totally given out, it doesn't despise, it doesn't, it doesn't come short. Uh, and, and even, we know, even before we love God, He's loved us, so God shows His love for us. Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even when we were sinners, He loved us. How much more does He love us 
when we're walking in his love? How much more is he pouring it out over us as we walk in it? So nobody can love you like God. God's nature is love. And the Bible says you and I are the objects of his affection. We're, we're everything. I mean, think about it. The whole world. But God is chosen to focus all of his love on you. The Bible says, who am I, Lord, that you would think anything of me? What a man that you are mindful of me. But God in heaven, who is infinite in love, think of the storehouse of love in heaven. He says, I'm giving you everything. He lavished us in his grace, Ephesians says. He's, he's put the whole thing onto you. That's amazing. We can't even contain it, right? But God, being rich in mercy because of a great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He returns his love. The Bible says a broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. You are wholly devoted to him. He can't deny giving you all of his love. So God is a God worth loving. He's a God that returns the perfect love to you. Number three says that he will be with us. You know, when you're separated by somebody for a time who you love, there's that, that, that tension or that distance or that, that um, grief can be there. Say you even lost a loved one. There's a grief there. If you're separated from a time, there's an anxiety, there's disappointment, there's a, a downcast spirit, there's an anxiousness there. Uh, your uh, friend or son or daughter or spouse or whatever is on a trip for a long time, you haven't seen them, or maybe you move away across uh, the states. Uh, it's sad, it's frustrating, it's even grief. And love hardly handles separation well. But the Bible says that God is never absent from those whom he loves, right? Jesus says what? That he will be with us. John 14 says, Anyone who loves me and obeys my teaching, my Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with him, our abode, our dwelling place. So, you don't have to worry in this world as a Christian. You're never separated from God. Romans tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's not height, nor depth, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Nothing can ever separate you. So you don't have to ever feel anxious. You don't have to feel fear or doubt or dread or distance between you and God because he's inside of you. Think about it. God. It's inside of you, and you're always in his love. So he's, a, he's, he's always with you. Number four, he gives us infinite happiness. Skogel, in his book, he talks about if you love a miserable person, you'll be miserable. <laughs> I like that. If you love a miserable person, you're probably going to be miserable. Uh, it's true. Your friend or, or loved one or your spouse has a bad day. And they come and eat dinner with you. Everybody's day is about to get a downer, right? It's just, it just happens. They're talking about it, and they're complaining about so-and-so at work. And then before very long, you guys are arguing how you've tried to help them through their work situation and fix it. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. How many, you know, never mind. I'm not going to ask about that one. But <laughs> guys, don't fix it. Just listen. That's my advice, right? And, and that's how it is. When you're around, or if you have a negative person at home, your home's going to be negative. And that, that because we mimic those we love, we, we take in the things of those we love. We, that, that's a shared thing. Those we love, your kid has a bad day at school, and people and bullies are picking on them, you're going to be angry. You're going to feel sorry for them. You're going to empathize. You're going to have a connection with those you love. But guess what? 
Just like we get miserable when we're around somebody who's miserable, if God is the object of your love, you'll have no limit to happiness, to joy, to gladness, to goodness. Think about it. This is a God whom the Bible says in Psalms 136, His love endures forever. I have no doubt that the more time I spend with God, the more good I'll feel, the more peace I'll have, the more love I'll have. I don't have to worry and spend time with God and think I'm going to come out more miserable than I went in. God's so good that just by being with him, I feel good. Because this is a guy whom the angels sing holy, holy, holy 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a millennia and millennia and millennia and ages to come. He's got infinite goodness. He's a guy that no enemy can beat. He's a guy that they sing songs about him from the foundation of the world to the end of time, that he's just so awesome. So how can I not be around that guy and be lifted up, right? So he's, he's a God that gives us infinite happiness. That should safeguard my mind. That should secure my soul. That should still and give me peace and take out all the wants and worries of my life because he gives us infinite happiness, I'll give you the last one, number five. He makes everything sweet. I read it earlier, Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He rejoices over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And so no matter what I go through in life, I know that God can make everything and does make everything sweet. David wrote in his psalm, right, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil. Why? Because I know God's with me. And even in the midst of my enemies, he's preparing a banquet, a feast, a table. And even when I'm in discipline, even his discipline is comforting. His rod and his staff, they guide me. Because the same staff he guides me with, he beats off the wolf with. It's, it's comforting to know God. It's, it's pleasing to know God. And it's not stressful to know God. It's not anxious to know God. And in fact, even if I go through hard times, I can rejoice because I know God. It's, and I, I wish we could get this tonight because David ends and he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I know I will, not maybe, could be, possibly, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a confident person. That's an encouraged person. Not a beat down, discouraged person. That's a uplifted, he makes everything sweet. Romans, Paul said, he says, you know what? I can rejoice in suffering because I know that suffering is going to produce endurance and endurance is going to produce character. And he says, my character is going to produce hope. And Peter, Peter, and hope does not put us to shame. He says, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Sorry, Paul, Romans 5, 3. He says, because God's love has been poured out inside of me through the Holy Spirit, I can rejoice in every situation. Because what did we say at the very beginning? Love changes us. Loving a person changes us. So how much more should loving God change me? How much more should knowing God change me? It says that we know God works all things for good 
for those who what? Love him and are called according to his purpose. He's a God worth loving. He's a God who returns love. He's a God who's with us. He's a God who's given infinite happiness when we're around him. He's a God who makes everything sweet. Have we been changed by God's love? And tonight, I just want our prayer to be, God, I want to behold your love. I want to just get lost in knowing God and his love. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight. I want our worship team to come back. Maybe tonight you're insecure in some areas of your life about God's love. I can tell you from experience of disappointing God from sinning when I know I shouldn't have done something and I did it anyway. And you kind of wonder, it's like, well, I'm starting over or I got to do something to make God love me again. And, and I wonder if he's with me still. and I don't know if I feel him anymore. And then we get to that anxious place and we feel bad and we feel disgusting. We feel dirty. Uh, we feel unworthy, un- unloved. That's where shame and guilt and regret come in. And tonight, if you could just press in and focus on a God who loves you even when you were a sinner and didn't know any better, he still loves you. Or maybe tonight there's things you're anxious about in your life. Maybe you got situations unknown. Maybe there's just insecurities in your heart. Maybe it's an identity issue. Not quite sure who you are in God, and you just are always questioning your salvation. God wants to just reveal to you his love tonight, I think. Or maybe there's just kind of a deadness. And sometimes this is where I'm at. It's like, it doesn't amaze me anymore. It doesn't wow me anymore. I know he loves me in my head. I know the scriptures. I know the songs. I know the verses. But I don't feel it. I don't sense it. I'm not wooed by it anymore, right? Just like in a marriage, sometimes we got to go on a date. Sometimes we got to buy some flowers. Sometimes we got to revisit. Look at those early pictures of days that are gone by and just remember, man, we are in love. And tonight, I want you to maybe just get restored in his love. If it's just kind of gone dry, just think about the amazing love of God that's been poured out on you. And, and I believe he's going to meet you tonight. So we just bow your heads just for a moment, and we could do this in this place and just totally surrender to what God wants to do in this next moment. we got plenty of time.